I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramang. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here all alone in the studio this week. Tonight was a Montreal Impact game night, so that means that Kevin is out on assignment. But there is a lot of Formula One news to talk about, so we're going to keep busy here. And yeah, like I say, there is a lot going on. It's typically a quieter time of year, what with the F1 taking its annual summer break for several weeks. And uh, we don't go racing again until the Belgian Grand Prix on the 1st of September. So that's still a couple of weeks out. But nonetheless, I'm sure that at least behind the scenes in the uh, offices and factories for all the Formula One teams, there are lots and lots of people working very hard to get uh, back to racing in a couple of weeks. And there has been a fair amount of news filtering out so we'll we'll talk about that and it's nice to have something to talk about to to be quite honest uh usually i found in uh, previous years that when you get into the summer break it can be really really quiet and and this year we haven't even really had too much of a a silly season the driver silly season in the uh, in in the driver's market i guess with uh, last year so many guys switching teams and and moving around that this year there were not as many contracts uh, coming up uh, for renewal or running out so the silly season has been extra silly this year with uh, by virtue of not being actually very silly at all <laughs> but fortunately we have other things uh, to talk about and we're going to be a little bit more serious uh, than that but we are going to start at least uh, talking about drivers in uh, in this sense uh, not so much about uh, who's moving where we actually have a confirmation of a, a driver change and um, this is not really too much of a surprise but uh, maybe it is I mean it involves a uh, Red Bull who have uh, a history now of uh, pulling the trigger and uh, making a mid-season change. They did it uh, back in 2016, demoting Danny Kvyat back to Toro Rosso and then promoting Max Verstappen, which in hindsight uh, obviously turned out to to be a a no-brainer. Max has gone on to do some uh, phenomenal things in Formula 1. And uh, certainly looks like he's got uh, what it takes uh, to be potentially a, a world champion at uh, at some point. But anyways, the news uh, this week uh, was uh, confirmed that uh, Alexander Albon will replace uh, Pierre Gasly in the Red Bull uh, team uh, from the Belgian Grand Prix for the uh, remainder of the season. So... Uh, Obviously, it has not gone well for Pierre Gasly so far this year. Uh, he was uh, he had, I thought, a very good uh, year in Toro Rosso last year. He really had an impressive uh, outing the entire weekend uh, at Bahrain. And then they struggled a little bit, but uh, I think a lot of um, uh, Toro Rosso's uh, season and maybe the lack of uh, success and um, results last year was due to the fact that uh, they basically became a test bed for the, the Honda engine, helped do a lot of uh, development uh, with 
with uh, with the uh, the power unit uh, before they uh, went into the back of the uh, the, the Red Bull cars uh, for this year. So you have to take it with a bit of a, a pinch of salt. Uh, but uh, however, um, it is interesting to see that not even a year later that uh, Gasly, who um, like I say had uh, has had some decent um, time in Formula One so far, really got off to the wrong foot in his uh, his Red Bull career with the senior team at any rate, uh, crashing the car in winter testing at, at Barcelona, which uh, really messed up their their, their test schedule and really uh, handcuffed them to a certain degree. But really a big, big difference. You look um, at the world championship uh, right now. Of course, it's uh, Lewis Hamilton uh, miles ahead of everyone, including his own teammate. But um, quietly, Max Verstappen has uh, moved up to, through the order. And currently sits now third in the Drivers' Championship with 181 points. And then you look, uh, obviously, as it's uh, been for many years now, the top six drivers come from the top three teams. And it's usually two Mercedes drivers uh, followed by the mix of uh, Ferrari and uh, and Red Bull drivers. And uh, this year is no exception. But uh, Pierre Gasly, 63 points, uh, over 100 points uh, behind his uh, teammate uh, is really a huge, huge uh, gap. And if you look in the World Championship now, that... Uh, that means that uh, Max and Pierre Gasly combined for uh, a total of 244 points f- uh, through the first uh, dozen races of uh, the year. And um, if you look a little bit uh, further up the or the Constructors' uh, Championship, you see that uh, Ferrari have 288 points. So it's it's a bit of a no-brainer to think that if um, uh, Pierre Gasly was able to deliver more and uh, score uh, more points, finish better uh, over the course of the the the, the opening uh, half of the season, that uh, it doesn't really uh, take too much of a, an imagination to think that uh, they could be a lot higher up in the driver. Sorry, the the Constructors' uh, Championship and uh, probably have a legit uh, feeling or claim to think that uh, they should be uh, ahead of Ferrari and the way that uh, Ferrari have just uh, really lacked pace and um, and we really saw it earlier in the year at Barcelona I think that was the the first real indication that with Red Bull and uh, with the, the the Honda Power, that uh, that they were at least equal, if not uh, better than Ferrari, and uh, they certainly have gone on uh, to prove that. At least uh, with uh, with Max Verstappen, so it really puts uh, Red Bull, I think, into an interesting uh, situation now. And I'd sort of been uh, pondering this uh, over the past uh, little while. I mean, uh, there there were some of the comments uh, leaking out here and there that the with the um, uh, Marco and Horner basically saying that uh, Gasly wasn't going to go anywhere for the rest of the year. And we all know in pro sports that whenever a manager or a player or a coach or, or whoever gets that vote of confidence whenever they're struggling, it always seems to, to turn out to be a bit of a, a kiss of death. And uh, it always, well, at least maybe I'm, I'm uh, maybe uh, oversimplifying it, but more often than not, uh, at least in some of the examples I can think of, that it, it tends to end uh, poorly. And it's a little bit uh, disappointing, obviously, for 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 Gasly. But uh, he started off a little bit uh, rough. Uh, you look uh, at the Australian Grand Prix uh, in Melbourne back in March. Uh, Max finished third. He finished eleven. I mean, he's only retired twice. Once was in Azerbaijan, and uh, the other uh, was uh, other retirement was uh, at the German Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago. He was classified fourteenth because he almost made it to, to the very end of the race uh, before he was uh, ironically uh, retired. Um, due to a collision he had with uh, with Alex Albon, of all people. 
But, I mean, when he's finished, he has been in points uh, all the other times, uh, with the exception of uh, of Australia. But you look, they're 8th, 6th, 5th, 8th, 10th, 7th, and uh, in, in recent times in, uh, in in Great Britain and Hungary, managed to get a 5th and a 6th. So not really what you would expect, because the, uh, the, the Red Bull, I think, has really impressed me this year. I mean, it was always going to be a huge, huge gamble when they switched from Renault to Honda Power for this this year and Honda always had made that claim that in this uh, first year the partnership they wanted to provide them with a power unit that was going to at least keep them on uh, a similar performance or in a similar level as uh, they were with uh, with Renault last year and I think that um, within the first couple of races uh, looking at Max uh, Verstappen that uh, that that appeared to, to be slow or so and uh, slowly but surely they've managed to pull their way up I mean Max um, through the first uh, dozen races two wins a second a couple of thirds and the rest are fourth and fifth. So I think uh, that, if anything, that is an accurate take on uh, the situation because um, uh, Red Bull is still through the years despite um, not having the advantage with uh, with Renault in the, in the V6 Turbo Hybrid era that they enjoyed in the normally aspirated before uh, era before 2014. We're still good to to get a couple of race wins uh, here and there every season. That usually came down a little bit more to um, to circumstance what happened on race day rather than outright uh, performance. But I mean, they they they've always been. I find um, more often than not uh, spot on with their tactics and their strategies, and always uh, doing some bold things to, to double stack cars and pit stops under safety cars. And at other times, if uh, they can get an advantage out of it, of course there there's been a couple of um, situations where they, they have been the best car. Uh, Monaco last year was uh, one of those, and um, that's why it was disappointing uh, for Verstappen uh, when he crashed out in um, at the end of FP3, ended up uh, missing out on qualifying because they had um, they, they were better than anyone else around the track uh, on, on that day. And, of course, that led to that memorable race where Danny Ricciardo managed to uh, basically lead the entire field home uh, despite uh, struggling with um, you know engine problems. And, well, there's been uh, all sorts of discussion and criticism had about uh, that being a, a very boring race but uh, anyways that's a, a different discussion but anyways uh, that and then uh, Mexico last year were one of those uh, rare occasions where they were better than uh, anyone else and it, it is I think uh, good to see that uh, at least from my perspective that I think they are on that same level with Honda Power than they were with Red Bull but I beg your pardon with uh, with Renault Power, but uh, to me, I think that uh, that even now, uh, and and even maybe after the first uh, four or five races of the year, I think that it's uh, fair to say that they were uh, a little bit uh, further ahead than um, they were with uh, with Renault Power. But uh, that that's my take. But again, like I say, I think with uh, with Albon, it's very much a, a try before you buy because uh, now they do have the benefit of knowing who's who and what's what and and who's capable of what and obviously max is the one uh, there's no variable with uh, with max we we know what he's capable of and we know that the, this guy's a race winner and he's one of the best um, drivers in the current uh, class of, uh, of of guys in the formula one and if you look uh, also with uh, with danny kiviat yeah, sure, he's got a bit of a checkered past with the team. It didn't end uh, too well with him the, the, the last time he got promoted from Toro Rosso into Red Bull and obviously got bumped back down only after several races. Most memorably, I think, was, uh, I, I guess, this after the second time he drove into Sebastian Vettel at the, the, the Russian Grand Prix at Sochi uh, uh, that year. 
And um, it uh, it was, you know, one of those situations. I mean, it, it looked that he was obviously struggling, stuck around for another year with Toro Rosso, and then last year was a simulator and reserve driver to Ferrari, so basically sat a year out on the sidelines. And then gets back into the Red Bull team or into the Red Bull system this year with a, a little bit of luck on his side because, uh, strangely enough, uh, with the, for a team that uh, develops drivers and has all the resources of uh, Red Bull, they didn't have uh, any other guys in the system that had enough uh, points um, to actually get their their super license. So you know that's worked out uh, for for Danny Kvyat, and I think he's done pretty good um, so far this year. Uh, if you look at the constructors' uh, championship, uh, Toro Rosso currently. Currently fourth, sorry, fifth in the world championship with 43 points. That puts them uh, four points ahead of Renault in six, and Renault's a completely different sad story. And they're they're quite a ways behind McLaren Renault, but uh, that uh, that is another uh, good story in a in a different sense. But I think Kvyat's uh, done pretty good. I mean, he's had a couple of retirements. He's had a number of top ten uh, finishes, uh, five by my count, and then uh, he even managed a, a third place at uh, the the German Grand Prix. Of course, uh, that was uh, complete uh, luck when you look at it uh, uh, with the, uh, the the conditions in the torrential rain at uh, at Hockenheim and a lot of the. The other guys that uh, that went off the track and um, really kind of set it up uh, for one of these uh, unusual results. I think it was only the second time that Toro Rosso had ever scored a podium in their history, which uh, made it even uh, that much better. But anyways, I, I think that um, Kvyat uh, has been a good value for money. 27 points, ninth in the world championship. I mean, he's only a couple of points um, behind Kimi Raikkonen, who has uh, 31 points. And they really are in that uh, second tier of uh, of drivers. Uh, well, you kind of have. Well, I guess you could kind of kind of a, a third tier. I mean, in uh, one through five, you have uh, your Hamiltons, Bottas's, Verstappen's, Vettel's, Leclerc, and guys like that. And then um, you have uh, Pierre Gasly and Carlos Sainz, um, who have uh, about sixty points each, uh, roughly. And then you have uh, everyone else. And then that that starts off uh, with Kimi Raikkonen uh, at Alfa Romeo with thirty one points. So Danny Kvyat with twenty seven. And that's not too bad. I think that's uh, quite respectable considering where he is. And uh, he's quite uh, quite a bit ahead uh, of his teammate uh, Alex Albon, who at this point only has 16 points, but uh, he's only retired once, and that was at uh, the, the Canadian Grand Prix. And Alex has uh, managed five top 10 uh, finishes uh, so far, and uh, his best uh, results was a six at the uh, at the German Grand Prix. But now that they know what they, they have or what they didn't have uh, with Gasly, and they know what they have with uh, with Kvyat, because uh, to me, that kind of seemed like a, a bit of a, a logical choice would uh, be to, to move Danny Kvyat uh, up into the car uh, to, to race alongside Max Verstappen for the rest of the year. But obviously, they're, they're looking uh, further afield, uh, further down the road, and uh, it's going to basically be an extended tryout for Alex. Alexander Albon and see what uh, he can do in the remaining uh, nine races of the season. And then uh, from there, they'll uh, make a decision and see who will partner Max Verstappen at Red Bull for, for 2020. So I think it's a, a good move in, in a way. I mean, it's obviously very harsh and uh, disappointing on uh, Pierre Gasly, but there, there have been these uh, talks of um, things before. I mean, uh, you look at uh, Toro Rosso last year with uh, Brendan Hartley. I mean, he struggled almost the entire year. 
And there were uh, stories and rumors going around that he might uh, not uh, survive the season. And uh, there was even uh, some uh, talk, uh, I was think it was even back in May or June of last year, uh, with France Tost uh, inquiring or trying to find out if uh, perhaps they could sign Lando Norris on loan, which is kind of a, a strange situation. Uh, you don't really see that too much in, uh, in Formula One, although we uh, did see it with uh, Carlos Sainz and the whole um, Renault, Honda and uh, Red Bull and, and uh, situation there when uh, that all changed with uh, with uh, McLaren and Honda parting ways. He got loaned out at, uh, at Renault for a year or whatever it was, but uh, that, that was um, at least uh, the idea or the desire to get uh, Lando Norris in um, at uh, Toro Rosso uh, last year was uh, was uh, pushed away uh, by Zach Brown over at McLaren there, but it just uh, proves that Red Bull, be it either the senior team or the feeder team of um, Toro Rosso, I, I think it's uh, pretty obvious if they feel that they can uh, make a, a change, if it'll benefit the, the the team one way or another, that uh, they're not afraid to to, to make it uh, and and just do it and and pull the trigger. Harsh for Pierre Gasly, but a great opportunity for Alexander Albon. And I see we're coming up on our first break here, so we're just going to pause very briefly for quick messages from our sponsors. So please don't go away. We'll be back in just a moment. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back. So we're going to stick with uh, drivers here as we move along in the program this week. And we're going to talk a little bit now about uh, Mercedes and uh, Valtteri Bottas, who says that he has a plan B and a plan C in place in case uh, Mercedes decides to choose Esteban Ocon and uh, replace him at uh, Mercedes uh, for, for next season. And... 2018 for Valtteri Bottas obviously was uh, a, a very disappointing and frustrating season for him. I think it was um, completely underlined in a couple of uh, uh, situations. Uh, one was the infamous comment to Total Wolf made after the Hungarian Grand Prix that um, Bottas was the ideal wingman for Lewis Hamilton. Might have been a bit of a slip of the tongue, and then uh, in- intentional or not. And then also uh, at the Russian Grand Prix when uh, he was leading the race, and typically uh, Valtteri has always gone very well. 
at Saatchi, and uh, he was uh, told to uh, to move over and uh, and let Lewis Hamilton um, uh, take the lead, so he could. Uh, go for the race win and, and consolidate and solidify his uh, place at the top of the, the the Formula One standing. So you go away from uh, 2018, you get the off season, and then you come back uh, this year for the first round at uh, at Australia and Melbourne. And of the first um, four races of the year, it's uh, Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton um, uh, splitting those races uh, 50-50. Uh, Bottas won in Australia. Uh, Lewis Hamilton won back-to-back in Bahrain and China. And then uh, Bottas uh, won again in uh, in Azerbaijan, and then that uh, was uh, after that. That was uh, the uh, basically the start of uh, <laughs> a real impressive uh, run for Lewis Hamilton, where he won uh, six out of the next uh, eight races, including um, Spain, Monaco, Canada, France. Aus- or, sorry, not Austria. That was where Max Verstappen won. He won obviously in Austria and uh, and Germany. Lewis uh, winning the other two in uh, Great Britain, and then uh, just uh, the other week in in Hungary, and. Uh, and Bottas has uh, really dropped off from uh, from that point of view. I think it was a, a good way to, to start the season for him, but uh, Lewis has just been been driving at a, another level this year. And uh, before the season, uh, Total Wolf uh, said that if uh, if Bottas was going to stay at Mercedes uh, beyond uh, this year, because I believe that uh, they have an option on his contract, uh, which they uh, could decide to either pick up or, or not pick up uh, after the end of the, uh, this year, whatever the case may be, that he would have to drive at a level at least of that of uh, of Lewis Hamilton. I mean, like talk about uh, putting the pressure on a guy. I mean, you're you're, you're t- talking about a guy. I, I mean, Bottas is obviously a very good uh, Formula One driver. Whether or not uh, he is a world champion uh, material, that's. Uh, yeah, that's obviously a point that's uh, up for debate. I mean, he's obviously capable of uh, winning races, but when you're in the team uh, with uh, Lewis Hamilton, I mean, let's face it, the, the the combination of Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes is pretty much uh, unbeatable with the, within the team, and that's why uh, I, I think it's amazing that um, that uh, that Nico Rosberg actually was able to win the the world championship uh, back in 2016, and uh, even though Lewis came uh, very close and, and pushed him down the stretch, if uh, if his car hadn't uh, blown up at uh, the the Malaysian Grand Prix, I think it uh, could have ended uh, very very differently. I think that uh, he definitely had the momentum in the form later in that uh, season uh, that uh, if he all he needed was that uh, result from uh, one extra race and uh, to, to go out uh, because of an engine failure like he did uh, in Malaysia uh, really uh, really put the advantage in the court uh, for um, uh, for Rosberg that year and just uh, made it uh, all that more more difficult uh, for, um, uh, for 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 Hamilton but I mean Bottas I think has done a good job and I mean it's been pretty amicable pretty friendly between the two guys and every once in a while you kind of see see Lewis that uh, that really competitive uh, side of him that uh, he doesn't like to lose to anyone I mean I, I don't think that's uh, an unfair comment to make about Lewis Hamilton he likes being number one and he doesn't like it when he's losing and um, I think that uh, that even goes for losing to the guy that uh, that shares the garage with him in the second uh, Mercedes car and we know that uh, that uh, relationship that he had with Nico Rosberg 
for those several years was just uh, downright toxic. I mean, the, the, the two of them had a number of uh, comings together in Austria, in Spain, at Spa. I mean, there's uh, several high-profile incidents uh, that, uh, that that went on. I mean, it even came to the point where uh, Mercedes came out and said that uh, that they would uh, go as far to terminate any contracts of uh, one or both of those drivers if, uh, if things uh, continued that way. And it's never even gotten close to that level of uh, animosity. I mean, it, it hasn't gotten... An- you know, there's no been no bad feelings by any means, as uh, as far as I can tell from from my point of view here. The thing is that, uh, especially after Azerbaijan, when uh, when it was uh, pretty much uh, it was level at that point, uh, they both won uh, a pair of races each. That uh, that Lewis comes out saying that you know he's got to race uh, Valtteri in a in a different way, and he doesn't need uh, he maybe he's not going to be as uh, uh, easy going on him in in certain situations. So you started to see it uh, happening, but uh, after that, uh, Bottas his form dipped and Lewis uh, got on this uh, phenomenal run. I mean, 62 points ahead of Bottas now in the World Championship. And uh, let's let's be honest right now. I mean, if you're a fan of Lewis Hamilton, by all means, go out and, and pre-order that uh, World Championship uh, number six uh, souvenir gear wherever it's available. I know it's not available just yet, but He's not going to throw it away at this point. It's it's not going to happen. He's just too good. Lewis Hamilton is just too good. The Mercedes, just too good. It's just too fast, too reliable. And I can't see any circumstance that, uh, that would cause... Uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to, to throw that away. They're going to be world champions again in the drivers and in the constructors world championship. It's just a foregone conclusion now because Ferrari have faltered big time and Red Bull have stepped up to a certain degree, but they're still nowhere close to uh, challenging uh, Mercedes uh, each and every weekend. Uh, I, I think that when we get to, to Belgium and uh, then go on to Monza in Italy, that uh, you get a couple of uh, tracks like that where it's basically flat out uh, for good portions of the laps i think that uh, we're, we're going to see uh, mercedes uh, really uh, fly away although it'll be interesting because um, ferrari with uh, you know they are extremely fast in straight line speed might have something to say about that but uh, you know with the low downforce model they have they do tend to struggle uh, through the, uh, the the more technical grippier um, windy and twisty sections of the the, the track but uh, i digress uh, a little bit but um, valtteri bottas i think really needs needs to uh, make a case uh, for himself here and and total wolf has said that it's not going to be based on any one result this year i mean he crashed out of the race in uh, in in germany a couple of weeks ago in the rain but interesting uh, enough it was lewis hamilton that crashed out of that race twice uh, once at the uh, just coming out of the stadium section into the start finish, he went off uh, in the gravel, but uh, so did Charles Leclerc, so did Nico Hulkenberg. Every whole bunch of guys went off, and of course got onto that very slippery uh, drag strip there, and that caused all sorts of uh, misery. But uh, both Hamilton and uh, Bottas went off in uh, turn one. The big difference was uh, Bottas wasn't able to get going again, whereas Lewis was, and ended up uh, finishing that race in ninth, I believe. But again, in in Hungary, uh, Bottas uh, didn't finish all that well, but he tangled uh, with uh, Charles Leclerc early in the race, ended up having to go in very early on to uh, replace uh, tires and, uh, or sorry, uh, uh, his front wing. And then uh, he uh, was right at the very back of the uh, the running order very early in the race. 
and uh, managed to get his uh, or work his way back up to eighth uh, by the time it was all said and done. And uh, yeah, obviously that's uh, disappointing if uh, you're, you're Valtteri Bottas, but uh, you know, I mean, it was a case that uh, I guess it depends uh, which uh, which side you're bring you're, you're you're approaching it from. That either it was uh, an overly aggressive move from Charles Leclerc that uh, that uh, resulted in uh, Valtteri uh, damaging the end uh, plate of his uh, front wing on the on the right hand side. Or he should have backed off because uh, Charles was um, that that was his corner. Uh, whatever the the you know whatever your point of view is. I mean, there's uh, obviously good reason to have that uh, discussion. But I mean, when he hasn't been uh, struggling uh, with uh, mechanical issues, he's been on the podium every single race except for uh, the Canadian Grand Prix when he finished uh, fourth, and that was the one race where he was kind of really. He wasn't really quite there in terms of pace uh, as as anyone else, and uh, he finished fourth. Uh, he th- finished third in Monaco, and that one uh, that was uh, a, a bit of a a bit puzzling too. He didn't really have the the, the pace there either. Monaco and Canada really kind of stand out for me for um, uh, races where where uh, Bottas wasn't quite on it for whatever reason. I mean, he got third in that one only because uh, Max Verstappen uh, had that five-second uh, time penalty to serve because of the uh, the unsafe uh, release uh, where he collided, uh, you know, ironically, or at least uh, uh, he came out and squeezed uh, uh, Valtteri between his car and the uh, the Armco barrier in the in the pit straight there. But he really does have to step it up uh, from, from here and really make a case for himself over the uh, the, the last um, nine races whether or not he has what it takes to um, to start winning races and, and beating Lewis Hamilton that's a, a great uh, question and we'll see in short order whether or not uh, he's got it in him because if you look at Esteban Ocon I mean he's obviously a young talented guy and um, he should be in a race seat in Formula One this year, and when the, the musical chairs stopped last year, he was out at um, uh, Racing Point, and uh, th- that was uh, obviously more to do with the fact that uh, that Sergio Perez brings uh, literally a, a boatload of money and, and sponsorship uh, to the team, and then uh, Lance Stroll, well, his dad Lawrence and his consortium of uh, investors bought the team uh, when they were struggling last year and took over from you know because VJ Malia was having all these legal problems and the team went into receivership so they saved the team but then of course made a kind of a convenient landing spot um, uh, for, for Lance and uh, Esteban was the one guy that was uh, just uh, out of luck and well I mean there was possibilities to, to maybe go to Williams because they're a Mercedes team but at the end of the day would that have been beneficial for him at all uh, probably not but uh, you have to think that uh, they are looking at him. But, I mean, Bottas, I mean, he's done a good job, like I say, uh, apart from Canada and uh, and Hungary. Uh, he's He's been in the top four, and out of all of those other races, he's uh, he's only been off of the podium once. So, I mean, he's sure he's 62 points behind Lewis Hamilton in the Drivers' uh, Championship, uh, you know, 250 compared to 188 for, 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 for Valtteri. But on the, on the constructor's side, Mercedes are running away with it for... 438 points and that means a lot to to Mercedes I mean we've seen every year when they win it just how much celebration and just how much joy there is in that team 
uh, when they win. And it, it seems to me, my, my observation is that winning doesn't seem to get old for the people at uh, at Mercedes. They seem to enjoy it and, and relish it uh, each and every year when it's happened. So I think from that point of view, he's uh, he's delivered. But also, and this is just my own uh, two cents, this is my own take, that I think that uh, he's... Uh, I think he's keeping Lewis Hamilton comfortable because, you know, Lewis is winning more races. And uh, I think that even though he's not winning races, he's still doing what he needs to do in terms of uh, usually scoring a, a decent amount of points each and every race, either, uh, you know, helping out in a one-two finish, at least finishing on the podium to deliver all the, uh, the, the points they need for the constructors. But, on the other hand, by not winning more races and uh, being just at arm's length in the in the drivers' championship, means that they don't have to worry about the situation deteriorating between Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas, much like it did between Lewis Hamilton and and, and Nico Rosberg. But you know, you have to think that uh, that the Bottas is going to want to do the best that he can and win as many races as he can because these opportunities to race for a team like Mercedes don't come along very often. Often, and obviously they don't come along to very many drivers. So it would be a shame from his point of view if he can't get it done. But if he can't yeah, get it done and they do decide to say uh, put uh, Esteban Ocon into that car either this year or sorry, next year or the year after if they decide to pick up uh, Bottas's contract or uh, Ocon lands somewhere else uh, for, for next year, I mean, which is a, a, a possibility. The big question is that uh, would Ocon be a better driver? Would he be able to do more than Valtteri Bottas uh, has been able to do over the past couple of years? So certainly a situation to watch. Anyways, time for another break here and we'll be back after this brief word from our sponsors. So don't go away. We'll be back in just uh, one moment. All right, welcome back to the show. So let's move on and talk about McLaren. And I enjoy talking about McLaren this uh, <laughs> in the, these days. After all these years where it seems they've just uh, sunk lower and deeper and hit uh, hit rock bottom, it certainly has been nice over the past uh, several months uh, to be talking about them in a, a more positive light and, and see that uh, they are finally, I wouldn't say having a renaissance, but they're, they're, they're definitely on the rise and, and starting to get back to where they should be. I mean, uh, currently fourth in the world championship with 82 points quite a ways ahead of uh toro rosso who are in fifth with uh, 43 but even more importantly they have more than double the points in the constructors uh, championship than uh, than renault so obviously uh, mclaren be a renault customer team that uh, that is uh, quite something uh, to, to say and hang their hat on i mean renault that's a, a completely different um, topic that we can talk about another time i mean they only have uh, 39 points so uh, quite a ways down but uh, slowly but surely uh, despite all the uh, all the embarrassment and the frustration and uh, all the tears from the, uh, the, the the failed experiment that they had with Honda for those uh, several seasons is now long uh, behind them. And it, it would be kind of interesting to be a, a fly in the wall or maybe get into the in, in the mind of, uh, of Zach Brown and maybe some of the other key players at, uh, at McLaren to think uh, or, or get their thoughts on um, on what Honda's doing uh, with, with Red Bull this season and the fact that they've got a couple of wins because I thought uh, based just on the history that uh, that Honda and McLaren had together that uh, that it was going to be almost a foregone conclusion that uh, that they were going to win races together 
obviously Honda came back into the game uh, quite uh, far behind and uh, and and lacking or lagging behind in the development of uh, of their turbo hybrid engines. So that was a, a real detriment and, and and really difficult. And I mean, it, it was tough to watch uh, them struggle. But now uh, now that they've had uh, Renault engines uh, for the past uh, year or two, they 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 really have slowly but surely. Excuse me. They have slowly but surely uh, started to kind of claw their way back up. I mean, you look at uh, Carlos Sainz uh, this year, and I, I thought it was an interesting combination to go with a fairly young uh, drivers' uh, lineup for this year: Carlos Sainz and and uh, and, and Lando Norris. But uh, Carlos has uh, been in the points. Um, more often than not uh, this year he only had uh, well he retired twice uh, right off of the bat uh, in Australia and then uh, late in the race in in, in Bahrain but although he was still uh, uh, classified as uh, 19th uh, but since then he only had uh, two finishes in the the, the uh, success of 10 races where he was outside of the points and uh, so I mean eight of those uh, results obviously were in the points I mean uh, and, and the last uh, three races going back to, to Great Britain, he had a sixth and two fifth place finishes in Germany and Hungary. So very, very good stuff to see. And then also Lando Norris, despite having four retirements himself so far this season, has had five top 10 finishes. His best finish so far this year has been six. He's done that twice. And I think Lando is really proving that that he is a talent. And you can see why Zach Brown was reluctant and, and flat out refused to um, even consider the possibility of uh, letting them go to to Toro Rosso last year, even if that was only on a temporary basis. So it, it's really good to see that they are, are moving up uh, through the pack again. And um, they, they've said now that they want to have the gap to the, the top three teams in, in 2020. And their restructuring is finally uh, complete uh, now that they have uh, team boss uh, Andreas Seidel there and uh, James Key there as uh, as technical uh, dire- uh, director. And so now the focus that the team has is to make sure that they're carrying uh, forward with uh, the, the men- uh, momentum that they have and try and close the gap uh, that they have uh, currently between them and uh, Mercedes, Red Bull and uh, Ferrari. So they still have a ways to go before they can uh, be mixing up with those teams uh, on a regular basis and on the same level. But, you know, honestly, guys, I... I I would not be uh, at all surprised to see them back up there. Maybe not sooner, but I definitely expect them to see them uh, up there again, challenging and fighting with those teams in, in certain circumstances. And I think slowly they have put the right people in place there. And I think that uh, Zach Brown uh, should be uh, congratulated and, and noted for the, the the work that he's done uh, to to um, take his time and, and do what was needed and get the right people there. Uh, because uh, it's one thing to have uh, all sorts of money and have all sorts of people on staff there. I mean, you can just go and hire anyone you want, uh, basically. But it's another thing to get the right people in the right uh, place and, and and let them get about their their their, their business so it, uh, it it is a good situation to see and uh, they're they're going to have to be able to uh, make up about a second or a second and a half a lap to be able to catch uh, those top three teams so that that certainly seems like a very tall order but if they can take a, a chunk out of that again uh, next year I think that would uh, be a really really good uh, improvement uh, from McLaren and uh, it would be fun to 
to watch uh, to, to to see them uh, do that because if uh, they're able to close that gap again and then you get a wet race or maybe a, a race with some uh, you know safety car incidents in it or something like that you know it would be possible for them uh, to to win a race i mean sure that's a little bit different than say maybe winning it outright but hey i mean when it comes down to it doesn't really matter how uh, you cross the finishing line uh, w- once you get to the checkered flag all it really matters is uh, that you're the first car across the line but i think that uh, it it is a goal that is achievable and we'll have to see uh, whether or not they can do it over the next uh, little while uh, so moving along now um Formula One and uh, the FIA has uh, agreed with the teams that uh, time penalties for unsafe uh, pit stop releases will be handed out even if the drivers gain no competitive uh, advantage. And uh, we've seen that a number of times uh, this year. And it seems uh, more often than not uh, that uh, you see either uh, during qualifying, during the race itself, that uh, you do see cars fly out of their garage or out of their pit box when there's already another car coming down uh, the, the, the pit lane. And uh, we saw that uh, that uh, Ferrari was given uh, a fine at uh, the, the German Grand Prix when um, when, when Charles Leclerc was uh, launched out in front of uh, Roman Grosjean in the Haas, and uh, who really had to like lay on the brakes to uh, avoid a collision, and uh, he lost uh, positions on the track uh, because of that. So. When you look at it, I mean, it is obviously first and foremost a safety thing. When you look at the the pit lanes that we have around the different tracks in Formula One, there is not a lot of room to work in. And when you think that when the cars come into the pits, just the number of people around them in the form of mechanics and other personnel just to make the pit stop and change the tires. I mean, when they're changing tires in two seconds, I mean, there is a lot of uh, complex uh, things happening in a very short amount of time, and it requires a, a large number of people uh, to, to do so. And, of course, uh, obviously, the, the, the first thing that, uh, that has to be uh, taken into consideration is the safety of the pit crews and the people that are on the pit wall, because uh, none of them, you know, I know that the, the, the pit crews are wearing some safety gear and stuff like that, but when, you know, you're a person and compared to um, a, a Formula One car, going at, uh, well, not at full race speed, but uh, going at a significant uh, speed down the pit lane, uh, you're not going to come off <laughs> in, uh, in 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 a good way, and I mean, we've seen uh, you know mechanics get hurt before, either like the Jackman and the well, we saw Kimi Raikkonen uh, run over a guy's leg last year when he was at Ferrari. And so I mean, things can happen, and those are just uh, freak accidents that just happen in and around the car. So uh, a collision that uh, could happen in the pit lane uh, because of an unsafe release. I mean, uh, we, we were talking even just um, a little bit earlier about uh, Verstappen's. Um, unsafe release at uh, at, at Monaco that uh, forced uh, Valtteri Bottas is close to the Armco barrier in the pit lane that I think you could get without uh, actually touching it. So I think uh, just from a safety point of view, I think it's a, an excellent thing that uh, that they need to, to, to do. And uh, I'm all for it. Uh, what, what, if they decide it's uh, it's going to be uh, uh, fines or whatever it is, I mean, they just need to have something in place. And I'm glad to, to see that uh, that they've decided that uh, time penalties uh, are going to go out, even if there, there is no competitive advantage gained uh, for, for the car that is uh, released ahead of them. It's just 
just, uh, it, it, it's not good. It's dangerous. Put a stop to it. And I'm glad to see that uh, it's happening. Any, anyways, we're just going to take one final break here. We're coming to the end of the show this week. Uh, there's a couple of uh, last things uh, to talk about uh, before we wrap it up. And we'll do so in just a moment. So don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the show. So just talking about some of the other teams in Formula 1, uh, we were just uh, talking uh, about uh, McLaren before the break and how they want to have the distance or the, the, the gap between themselves and the top three teams in 2020. Uh, Frederick Vasseur, the uh, the team principal at uh, at uh, Alfa Romeo, says that uh, optimistic Alfa believe uh, they can uh, target McLaren after the summer break. And Alfa Romeo this year have been a little bit kind of a disappointment Pointing, I expected to see a little bit uh, more for them. Uh, they're, they're currently a thirty, uh, sorry, um, seventh in the world championship with uh, thirty-two points. But I think that's due more to the fact um, that uh, that the Kimi Raikkonen, uh, at uh, the grand old age of what what is he now, thirty-eight, thirty-nine years old, uh, so far this year through the the, the first dozen races has uh, eight top ten finishes and three outside the points compared to his um, teammate uh, Antonio Giovinazzi, uh, who only has one top 10 finish, and that was uh, a 10th position at the Austrian Grand Prix. And he's only retired from uh, one race, and that was uh, in Great Britain. So Kimi scoring the majority of the points there so far, 31 points for him, his teammate uh, contributing only a single point. But I would like to see them be able to to, to run a little bit uh, closer. I think that even though the, the, the results uh, haven't been there, the points haven't been there, I mean, they've lost uh, left a lot of points out on the track. I think that they've underperformed. I think that there's been hints that they're capable uh, a little bit more. So uh, Vasseur uh, really believes that it's there. And uh, he told uh, Motorsport.com, and I quote, Consistency is important in the middle of the pack. I think McLaren is uh, always there also, but I hope we're able to fight with McLaren in the second part of the season. We have to be consistent. We have to get the cars into the points every single weekend and try to do it with two cars. I think we can be optimistic. If you compare Barcelona, we are far away and we've improved consistently from that stage of the season. We are pushing hard to bring updates and we have to keep the same path for the last part of the season. So there you go. That uh, That's uh, another situation to watch. And now this one I thought was uh, an interesting uh, quote. And uh, this was uh, from uh, Charles Leclerc, who admits that uh, Sebastian Vettel's doing what he says, quote, uh, doing something better in the long runs. And, um, and Charles uh, was uh, referring specifically to the, the Hungarian Grand Prix where they uh, they, they ran, uh, sorry, the, the, yeah, the Hungarian Grand Prix when uh, they ran uh, different uh, strategies and uh, Sebastian went in for a, a late pit stop and uh, put on softer uh, compound t- uh, tires and uh, was able to, to catch up and uh, pass Charles with, uh, you know, several laps uh, from the end of the race. And by that time, he had the older, harder uh, compound tires that were literally uh, falling, a point, uh, falling apart at that point. So Charles uh, said to that, and uh, I quote, uh, it was a difficult one in general, obviously. I was struggling quite a lot with uh, with my t- rear tires from mid-race onwards. It was tires going off. We pitted quite early on the first stint, mostly because I was struggling with the tires. And then on the second, second stint towards the end, I've been struggling with tires again. So there's definitely something that Seb is doing better than me in the long runs where there's tire degradation. So obviously, and I think this is what... Um, 
And Charles is referring to here is a driving style. And uh, I, I think that's just a, 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 an aspect of uh, racecraft that uh, that he can learn from his uh, older, more experienced, multiple world champion and teammate, Sebastian Vettel. And um, Seb, I think... I, th- I think he doesn't get uh, enough credit uh, for the uh, some of the results uh, that he's had uh, this year. I mean, obviously he hasn't won any races this year, but uh, he's had three third place finishes, three second place uh, finishes, and uh, Hungary uh, was um, I think was very well played uh, by Vettel. Obviously, they were not going to be able to contend uh, for the um, for the win. That was always going to be between uh, Hamilton and, and Max Verstappen. But I think it was uh, very well played by uh, Sebastian and his uh, and and his engineer to come up with a strategy that uh, that they did uh, and uh, it, it resulted in a podium for him and uh, and Charles I think is obviously seeing that there's a lesson to be learned from that and uh, will uh, look to maybe uh, adjust his driving style to get the longevity out of the tires and maybe uh, next time uh, rather than having the tires dead at the end of the race maybe or whatever the situation is uh, dead before he goes in for his uh, pit stop is able to uh, extend and maximize the, the the life and the grip that he has in a, in a set of tires so talking about tires now uh, the FIA is um, uh, sending Pirelli uh, what they call a target letter uh, which is well actually it's um, it's going to all the Formula One teams and they're awaiting feedback uh, before the, the, the what what's going to happen is the, they're going to say that the contents are frozen and signed off so the, the items in the letter covers uh, both uh, 2020 and 21, uh, 2021, so the, uh, the the first year of the new era, uh, which is going to also be the first year on the new 18-inch tires that are going to be a, a major part of the uh, the, the new rules and the, the, the future of uh, Formula One. And so there's uh, there are different things that could be uh, modified, and um, uh, Pirelli F1 boss uh, Mario Isola has said that he has the target letter now, so he's uh, said that there happy to receive the comments uh, as soon as possible to see if they can address some of the uh, the requests and get the the, the, the process uh, going and so they can start working on what they're going to do for for 2021 so uh, some of the the, the parameters um, that uh, they're they're looking for um, uh, in, in that time is uh, tires that uh, they're going to be uh, low uh, degrada- uh, degradation more resistant uh, to overheating uh, and that will mean that uh, drivers uh, can push the tires and and stuff like that, so I'm not really a big tire, a big fan of like these um, uh, tires that uh, degrade uh, fairly uh, uh, quickly. Uh, so I I would like to see a low degradation uh, tire introduced uh, into Formula One. So we'll see uh, what uh, shakes out in that uh, over the, uh, the the next couple of months. And then uh, this uh, this one we, we've already talked and, and hinted at it a couple of times here, uh, just to refer to the German Grand Prix. And um, Mercedes has said that they will not intervene to keep uh, Hockenheim on the Grand Prix uh, calendar or the the German Grand Prix uh, in general on the calendar for next year. And uh, so far, it's uh, it's it's the only race that uh, is uh, not going to be on the calendar for for next year. And and next year we're going to have two new races. Well, one's a completely new one, and that will be uh, the the Vietnamese Grand Prix. And the Dutch Grand Prix, not a new one, but uh, Zandvoort uh, making a return to the Formula One calendar for the first time since, I think, the 1980s. So, I mean, next year we're going to have 22 uh, races. So, Hockenheim uh, has... um a one-year deal in place with an option on uh, Formula One side for 2020, but so far um, 
it hasn't been snapped up uh, by Liberty Media and uh, saying that uh, Liberty is, uh, has said that the fee that's in, in involved is uh, is insufficient. So Total Wolf has said that uh, Mercedes is not going to, to intervene. And uh, they, they've also said that um, uh, previously that what with the teams agreeing to 22 races uh, next year, that uh, it, it's going to be pretty much the limit as to uh, what, uh, you know, what they what they're 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 capable of doing and really going to stretch them to the uh the limits uh, logistically speaking but it is kind of interesting that um, a number of races that would look like they were on the chopping block have slowly but surely sorted things out like silverstone even the mexican grand prix which was um it looked like it was really hanging by a thread there uh what with uh news that uh, or the, the the fact coming out that was heavily heavily subsidized uh by uh, government money to get the race there that they surprisingly signed up it also sounded like the spanish grand prix was uh was hanging by a thread as was monza and and some of those tracks uh would be disappointing to see go i mean it would be disappointing to see uh, no uh grand prix in germany but honestly i'd i'd rather see it somewhere else i don't really like hockenheim all that much not the new hockenheim I, I much prefer the uh, the the Nurburgring, but whatever. It, it sounds like wh- whatever happens, it's it's looking increasingly unlikely that there will be a German Grand Prix next year, and that's uh, going to be a, a bit of a shame. And then uh, just a couple of uh, quick things here. Uh, Max Verstappen says that Honda's progress is testing uh, Red Bull's uh, durability. And uh, certainly uh, it, it, it's a completely different story that they've had uh, with uh, with uh, the Honda engines uh, than uh, they had with, uh, uh, with, with, uh, with the Renault. And he says that uh, the Honda's progress with the engine is um, allowing Red Bull to uh, test the durability of, uh, of its own parts and different parts of their, their car more so than they, they did with, uh, with Renault. But uh, I, I believe that there is more synergy, more teamwork uh, between Honda and Red Bull than there was with uh, with uh, Red Bull and uh, and and Merce- sorry with uh, with um, uh, Renault previously. Honda and and Red Bull very much have a, a car and an engine that really uh, integrate nicely together as as one package, and uh, it, it certainly seems that the, the approach that uh, they're they're taking is uh, we're really uh, you know working well so far. And then finally, Danny Kvyat uh, has said that uh, he 100% disagrees with Formula One's um, uh, preseason testing reduction, and he says that he believes that uh, the championship uh, already has too little testing as it is, and. Uh, I mean, I remember back in the day that it seemed like there was always so many tests, you know, preseason, midseason, and and nowadays it's a, it's very very minimal, and there's got to be a like a, a happy medium somewhere. I mean, I think the, the the testing ban that was put in place was more due to the fact that some of the richer teams were able to to spend more time testing and developing and gaining an advantage throughout the the year compared to some of the other teams that maybe didn't have enough funds. But they have to be able to test and get things right. I mean, it's just in the benefit uh, of, of everyone. So if they're dialing it back uh, too much, uh, certainly it's uh, not a good thing. So we'll, we'll have to see whether or not uh, Kvyat is the only one that um, that has that opinion or if anybody else will weigh in on that one as well. Anyways, that's a good place uh, to leave it uh, right now for this week. Uh, quite a bit of news uh, to get through, quite a bit of uh, discussion to be had. So it's all said and done for now. Thank you all very much for downloading 
rating and listening to the show. If you want to do us a, a favor, the, the, the best way to support the show is just to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a, a five-star rating or review or wherever you listen and download your podcast from. And certainly we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any thoughts or comments or want to add anything to the discussion, please do so by sending us a tweet at Scuderia F1 Pod or by sending us an email at scuderiaf1pod at gmail.com. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again this time next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com. Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com.